So should we start the show? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I, I'm down. <laughs> 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 All right, this is this is Iron Weeds. Audio entertainment. <laughs> this is Iron Weeds. I'm Brittany. That's David. Hey, David. Hi, Brittany. Hey, Chris. Hi, I'm Chris. How are you guys doing? Sorry, neither of us introduced you. You had to say your own name. I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry about that. It's violence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing really good. It's a really awesome. It's Sunday right now. Yeah. 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 It's rainy. It's a little rainy. A little cool. Yeah. It's like a nice summer day. Yeah. You guys have a good weekend so far? I had a summer. Hell yeah. And tonight is $1 hot dog night at baseball. Yeah. Going we to the are, Valley Cats yes. minor league baseball game. We are pumped. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So wh- where are these games uh, hosted? It's at the, uh, the uh, Hudson Valley Community College. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's really confusing because it produces uh, like this, uh, like, all the different mascots are, are are a little confusing. They kind of muddy the message, right? Because like the the team is the Valley Cats, <laughs> and so they have a cat, right? Yeah, like, uh, in a like, an, uniform, like an anthropomorphic right? like person cat. It's a mascot, thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a mascot, but then it's also in Troy, so they have like an Uncle Sam because we're the birthplace of Uncle Sam. Oh yeah, so he's like a yeah. separate mascot. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a, a knockoff generic Uncle Sam looking guy. And then (laughs) Hudson Valley Community College is the Vikings. So now they also have, like, they'll have the Viking cam where they put Viking helmet on someone. Well, what's the thing with the pig? And then there's a pig. And then there's just some, inexplicably, there's like an emaciated, thin looking pig named Ribby. And they sell a sandwich Called, named after Ribby. Yeah, and that that, is Ribby? Yeah, that is pork. So does Ribby Ribby ever like. Sell ribbies? Like, is he like, you it's, know, like, eat me? He, he, he comes out with like a crown of thorns and, yeah. he, you know, like, right. like taste of does, my flesh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like a full mass. Yeah. Right? And then, he, yeah. And then his, his blood is Miller Lite. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> so that's what it's we're moving. doing tonight. We're going to baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Slash mass. <laughs> so, you know, it's mass yeah. of the, you know, the American civil religion, which is baseball. <laughs> yeah. yeah are they going to put DSA up on the they screen are. again? Yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, they did that? Yeah, yeah. So I, I buy uh, a um, dozen and a half tickets, usually, something like that. And then uh, the DSA members pay me, uh, and, and I put it, I bought, bought it all up front. And because we do it, we buy it in a group, that means that they say, you know, like, all the groups joining us today. And so I get Dem- Capital District Democratic Socialists of America, like, up on the Jumbotron. Nice. Uh, yeah. And, uh, uh, and so far, no one's thrown anything at us. We've done this once before, and, like, nothing happened. You out here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you know, propaganda by the by the deed of like watching baseball out in the open. Truly proletarian. Yeah, yeah. Praxis. Right we're there. we're so brave. <laughs> <laughs> so brave. <laughs> oh man, I'm still a little bit hungover from the debates. Um, so I have to admit that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, even we really. It is now Sunday morning. We yeah, went hard on that. You guys had uh, a rager for the the second uh, series of the Democratic primary uh, debates, right on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so Wednesday we just had uh, a party of one, which was our <laughs> our, our organizer friend Sean. He came over, and uh, uh, we just like got like like laughed at uh, um, all the no names from day one, uh, yeah. trying to claw their way towards. Warren, and then yeah, and then the second night we had what was it like fifty people over? I th- yeah, I think it was it was a lot of people. It was a lot of fucking people. It was a lot of people. I thought our we'd get maybe like so twenty, twenty five. Yeah, yeah, it was our neighbors must hate us. And of course, yeah. Sean is like screaming at the screen. We were all yelling. 
Yeah. Was, was he like? Did he get up like really close to the screen? Was he like? No, you he know? usually does it from his seat. Yeah, I mean, he projects enough that the screen can hear it. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm pretty fine. sure. That, I'm pretty sure the candidate. Well, yeah. Do you guys have one of those smart TVs? Because it probably can. <laughs> Somebody is hearing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they, they definitely. Some FBI agent somewhere. Yeah, yeah or even it. just the people in the campaigns right. are like, oh, yeah. the the CO two actually went down <laughs> during this portion of the debate. I think this is emotionally registering with the audience. <laughs> <laughs> This watch party doesn't like Tulsi Gabbard. That's interesting. <laughs> oh, poor Tulsi. Oh, Tulsi. Well, you know, it, Tulsi was interesting. I thought she actually performed pretty well in uh, in some respects, but she was trying to thread this needle between being by far the most vociferously anti-war, anti-interventionalist uh, candidate like on the stage and showcasing her strength as a representative of the same military that she doesn't want involved in anything. She wants mm-hmm. it both and, ways, yeah. And that that's, it, it, you know, to me came off as like cognitive dissonance because I was like, oh, on this one hand, this person's like really brave and they've like, you know, uh, gone ahead and done the self-sacrifice stuff. Because like, you know, besides my own personal view of like what the American military has been up to for the last, you know, 100 years, Ever. you know, or whatever, <laughs> but especially like the last like uh, 60 or, or so years, like, um, it's been, uh, you know, like in my opinion, a total disaster, which that almost they didn't do any of the things that they did. Um, your correct opinion, yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, for somebody who, uh, like the vast majority of, can- you know, cause you're looking at the primaries, you're thinking about like, elections and like, who's going to actually be popular and how they perform and everything. But like the vast majority of Americans, uh, really valorize the, uh, the troops. Yeah. Like regardless of whether they like any of the wars. Right. Yeah. yeah. The military, yeah. that's been the case for a very long time that yeah. the military is unpopular, but the troops are have ninety five percent, you know, approval rating. They get yeah. to, they get to yeah. get on the airplane first. I think the only time that ever dropped significantly was after Abu Ghraib. Yeah. When, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, like the military is o- almost always unpopular. Yeah. And the troops are always the most popular sector of society. And with Abu Ghraib, you can just do ba- the bad apples thing, and it's, yeah, and right. it's over. Yeah. Which, like, why do we still say? Why would anybody trying to make a bad apples argument ever say that? Because the the saying is that bad apples spoil the bunch. That, that yeah. so now the bunch is spoiled. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> well, well that, that's without the uh, internal review board, the admittedly paper tiger uh, <laughs> that exists, you know, within the police to you know hypothetically uh, review stuff. I had a conversation once. It was after the uh, Coco Pelli incident. Do you guys know yeah. about this? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah, so it's a bar that uh, had that did the uh, the extreme violence of serving black people in our town. It was right? like the downtown. only bar that really catered to black people downtown that played hip hop. That and um, well, everybody... also just like wasn't frou frou so frou frou that it was like alienating to everyone except for like the ten people who are considered creative class yeah. professionals that those bars want. A lot of bartenders in this city yeah. are fucking racists, and I've known many of them, and most of them. That I've known for racists. Wow, we're gonna have but, to get into that. Yeah, <laughs> I should probably not. I'm never gonna be a bartender in this town again, so it doesn't matter. But so when Cocapelli's got shut down, there was basically nowhere in Troy for its customer base to go back to. That was it's pretty fucked up. But yeah, well, what, essentially the, the the it was like a cop induced riot in the yeah. bar, and then they used that riot to shut it down. And then the the bartenders or the the bar owner themselves 
was like, I've never, like, you guys were are the KKK. Like, he said, he likened something like... <laughs> he showed like, up in front of the city council yeah. and said, uh, Troy, the Troy cop, because the Troy cops, like, beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. They beat the shit out of several people that night. Yeah. For no reason. And so the, the owners, the bar owner's dad, who actually funded the bar, went before the city council and said, uh, you know, I... I fought against the KKK during the civil rights movement and you guys are, I never thought I'd have to fight local police the same way I had to fight the KKK. It was fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that it was, was metal as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, why'd you bring that up? Oh, Chris, um, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So the, at the uh, community, like basically like there was a small local uprising almost that happened in re- response yeah. to this. And it wasn't like in terms of, you know, destruction of property kind of uprising. It was more like just people constantly calling the city council. They put together a like community response meeting and it turned out like <clears throat> 200, 300 people. And it was at this church. And so all these people got up and were talking and basically um, right to the, the chief of police describing uh, events of police brutality that they had witnessed over the last like, decade or so yeah and it was you know jessica ashley was uh a woman who i think was running for city council and she got up there and she told all these stories of firsthand accounts of you know like black men being pulled out of cars and beaten in the middle of the street and like all this like uh terrible fucking shit that she was you know experiencing and then she ran a campaign on police reform in the city but um yeah uh, that was around that time but at the actual hearing um, I got into a conversation with somebody because I was holding a sign outside protesting and it was like some ex chief of police for, who was like 80 or whatever. And he was, you know, saying we were, we got to talking and he basically said that the, um, internal review board is a paper tiger, yeah. that it's like a thing for public relations that like the fundamental thing about the, the blue line is that they don't snitch on each other right. and they don't hold each other accountable because like. That, you know, there's strength in a union. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, when you look at like any uh, job in the United States that has had uninterrupted, unchallenged union support, it's it's cops. Like cops have some of the strongest unions still in this country. And it shows because like starting salary uh, for a Troy cop is in like the mid 50s, like 50K a year starting. Uh and, uh, um, like, that's more than uh, a lot of professors, you know, or, or other, like, typically assumed to be high-earning professions. You know, right, yeah. uh, state state cops, I think, get, like, 70-something. It's crazy. Which is, I mean, like, everyone should get, like, a decent salary, but, like, they're the only ones that are getting it because they had a union uh, for forever. And there's, yeah, I don't see the Republicans or the Democrats ever trying to, you know, bust that union. No. Like that would, you know, be political suicide in almost any single city in uh, you know, the United States. Yeah. So in case you didn't notice, we don't live in New York City. And, uh, you know, I think part of the, you know, the the cool thing about about what we're doing is, you know, like we want to talk a lot about lo- uh, local as in close to us politics, but also, you know, like what's going on in the country that's like, you know, like us. So like the Rust Belt in general or or like smaller towns or you know like just what's happening outside New York City because you know they they've got they got all the media and uh and we listen to it so like I feel like we know a lot about what happens in New York City even though like most literally most people don't live in New York City right yeah. but like that's uh that's where all your media comes from hmm yeah so I I'm excited to like hear from other people about like what's going on 
in in their city against cops or against uh you know uh, uh their brutality and like local politics like good, good green roots that are coming up uh uh in in other places i'm excited to hear about that and talk about it here yeah so please write to us at <laughs> ironweedspod at gmail.com we got to make that email uh, account real fast and then i think i actually made it did you make it yeah, okay cool. so. oh man we're so on top yeah, of this. yeah yeah i made the twitter account <laughs> follow us on twitter so should we talk about the debates at all is it yeah, let's get back yeah, into sure. it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I was just saying, you know, uh, Tulsi, I think, uh, it, it performed pretty good, but had a, uh, a a message that was, you know, strangely counter. Uh, so who was your who was your favorite from the two nights, each of you? Uh, I mean, like the favorite like experience was, of course, Marianne Williamson. Just like yeah. It, yeah. Just seeing that happen. My mom texts me and she goes, who the fuck is this crazy author lady? <laughs> I, mean, like, I, 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 I wish I had more venues to say that like I, I knew she was going to do well. I really did think she would. And she did. No, she didn't. That fucking, no, she totally that did. That fucking JFK in the moon thing that, that she ruled. did was that was so weird. that was so powerful. I, I know. Everybody I just, in the audience just felt so uncomfortable. No, it was I, great. I I think that Marianne Williamson is somebody who's going to be the most divisive candidate in the 2020 <laughs> race. I think that she, she's a dark horse. She's I I love her. I think that the, Williamson um, Yang yeah. 2020. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's a horse <laughs> like, of golden light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I I think that a Marianne Williamson is. Uh, definitely like uh, I think I saw a tweet that I really liked that um, this is a psychonaut representation you know? <laughs> yeah. and it, it's good to see it's, you know you love to see it, you love uh, to see it. <laughs> but I think that the uh, the big thing about Williamson is that like you were saying she has a very polarizing um, uh, response on people like for me personally I can't get enough of it because I realize that even my own um understanding of like the where we're at in the 21st century you know in 2019 like globally ecosystem wise economically like just where we're at geopolitically like with just where we need to be to like survive if i always try to imagine like what's life going to be like at 2100 and if i can imagine it not being like a fucking hellscape what would need to happen so you think marianne williams is gonna save us from the the 2100 hellscape? No, I don't think she is. But I think that what she's pointing out is that there is a problem both in terms of the actual policies and material economy that we're all involved in and also our psychic and social and spiritual relationship to each other and to the living earth of which we are literally integral. I am so sorry to laugh at that no, because I actually do. I feel the same way yeah, and, and, and I, it, I get a little I get a little spiritual sometimes. Yeah. I get a little I'm interested in like magic and witchy shit. Yeah, and when, when my wonkery always causes me just to be more and more and more cynical. But I think that when you look at what moves people in mass numbers, it's and crystals. It's it's love. <laughs> it's very explicit. love and crystals. It, it, it love very explicitly said. You know, I think that invoking the Kennedys. I think that invoking Martin Luther King. I think that these people, like Gandhi, like these people, love them or, or, or hate them. Uh, for various reasons or whatever, were incredibly. Well, Gandhi was a piece of shit. Well, they were incredibly. Anybody who brings him up in a positive light should be canceled immediately. Okay, well, go ahead and cancel me because <laughs> all I'm trying to say is actual impact on people. Yeah. 
But but anyway, I think it's just you know somebody uh, bringing uh, love and spiritual uh, need for change to the center of the conversation is, in my opinion, a missing element when we're talking about things like Medicare for all. Like I think that the when moral she... case has to be made there, yeah, and that has to be made like over- overly sincerely. And and I and know? I'll be sincere when I say this: I really liked when she started to talk about why we're all so sick all the time, anyway. Mm-hmm. Like right when she got that that healthcare question, and she said, and she like kind of gave it, she gave a decent answer, but then she wanted to start talking about how like we don't eat well and our souls are sick and like why are we so sick and i really wanted her to be able to go but i think that bitch rachel maddow cut her off <laughs> didn't get to finish it um but okay so marion williamson who else did did well i'm gonna i'm gonna say my controversial opinion sure kamala harris did really well she did i don't like her that's not me saying that i like her at all she but slayed she performed Biden. she's yeah and she just every she cut in in the right way at the right time. She gave a lot of really good answers. Like she spoke the most besides Biden. Like she was the second most. No, I think she was like the third most after Biden and Bernie. No, Bernie was fourth. Saw. Oh well, yeah, York, you know what? You're New York right. Times you're right. Put him at like fourth behind uh, him and uh, 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 Buttigieg. Went, behind it, Buttigieg, yeah, really? It went, it went Biden, Kamala Harris, Buttigieg, Sanders. Mm. Can we also talk about like Joe Biden being, I don't know, like so he people have said that he like performed well, but I thought he seemed so unprepared. I think I saw he fell like 10 points. He did. He lost. Yeah. Whatever polls mean it this early. When he answered, what's the first thing you would do as president with uh, defeat Donald Trump? Yeah. I wanted to pee my pants. I was crying so hard. Yeah. That was like. You know, it was fucking hilarious. It, it, it's Trump level of mental performance, like for, for real. Like, <laughs> yeah, they it, have old man mush brains. It's yeah, it, it's pretty pretty fantastic to watch uh, this all unfold. And it, you know, I think that many other people have pointed this out, but like basically, Biden's going to ride on Obama's coattails really far into this primary. But I'm pretty sure he's just going to crash and burn on his own. You know, like complete incompetence at moving people and aligning them behind him. But he's and the most pop. He's like the most popular candidate. I, I think that people like us feel that way about him, but most people do not. Like my mom really likes Biden. You, you she just, doesn't want him to win. Yeah, but, but she, do you think this campaign is going to be more than enough rope for him to like hang himself in like the most you know? Is it po- is it possible, possible for for can't for candidates and politicians to to still do that in the in like the post Trump era? Is it can you like put your foot in your mouth hard enough to? I don't know. I really think, get hurt. Yeah, I think that the Dems are really on brand with canceling their own. Yeah, and that's true. and so I I totally expect him to fuck up and do some stuff that will lose uh uh rapport uh or rapport with with like the you know the 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 the, the media intelligentsia and well, the, you know yeah you know. like if your brand is doesn't include like fucking up all the time and they they uh, then then it, you will get canceled or something bad will happen to you right I mean, like biden is known for gaffes yeah but, but like yeah. as but like you can't make the anita hill hearing a gaffe right? Yeah, right and as people get more aware of those things and like if he were brashly racist like donald trump is then it wouldn't then he'd be impervious to that criticism but because he's trying to be like good on that then then it does hurt him Right, if that makes sense, like, it, 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 it like the, things can't hurt him if he if that says if he makes that part of his brand. 
Yeah, I mean, is that like the creepy touching too? Is that yeah, that, well, that fits into it as well. I mean, he definitely has been trying to make light and continue to bring up how he creepily touches children, and then proceeds to creepily touch children, and then says like, "See, I got her permission. Like, you know, got the mom right there. Like, he'll like, <laughs> he'll, like yeah. say, yeah. say it's, some weird shit. You know, fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> really weird. Uh, how did how did our boy Bernie do? What did you guys think? I mean, he's I, he's just sort of you know he's a wind up doll. So yeah, like, Bernie's great. It, see, if Bernie had more than seven sentences to say, we would be talking about his old man mush brain too. Because yeah, well, yeah, he I mean, really. But it's like, hey, it works for him. But but you know, like his his heart's obviously in the right place, um, and I think that his slogan, campaign slogan, just Medicare for all, is a winning slogan. And if he just gets up there and he's like, "Let me be clear, Medicare." For all, just over and over and over. Uh, I think I that, don't know. I don't that, know that, that that I think it might work. I mean, really, like all you have to do to the vast majority of Americans and be like, you will never have a medical bill ever again. But people, yeah, but people are t- like, even my mom, who's I can't. Why do I keep talking about my mom? Who gives a shit? But I and I think that this is true for a lot of liberals. The canceling the no private supplementary health insurance really freaks a lot of people out. And he was forced to say that taxes on the middle class would go up in this last debate. And I think that that might really hurt him. Yeah, they, they do. But he's so honest. I couldn't like you can't expect him to yeah. just lie. You know, I don't think. And I think it's good that he doesn't lie. I do, people, too. Yeah. That, I, I mean, think it's that good that trusting. our politicians don't and, lie. And I do. <laughs> I, I do hope that there is like a decent number of people out there that that can make the fairly easy jump from like i will pay more in taxes but less in private health and which you know he says it this is why he starts needing to say different things because he needs to say the average middle class family pays x amount in medical bills this plan will raise taxes on people in this income bracket approximately this percent that means that you would be paying an extra 200 dollars in income tax to not have to pay six thousand dollars in medical bills every year but that's already he probably to, too long right you just need to say no, like his website does not have like anything about his yeah. medicare for all plan it has nothing like you need to be able to something more quippy than what yeah, i just said right. clearly that's what i was but you need to be able to say the average family will save nine hundred dollars a year or whatever the fuck yeah they, find the number find a number yeah and here i don't mind if he fudges it a little bit but bernie find a number and say it over and over and over again. This is the dollar amount that you will save every year if you make me your president. But instead, he just says the same, you know, he's like gotta, it's he, very slogany. And I just he's got to get the Geico slogan. He's like, you, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're going to say you're going to you're going to save up to 15 percent or more <laughs> by switching your, to Bernie. <laughs> Listen to this adorable gecko tell you how much money you're going to save. Yeah, I, I, I really do wish. Uh, um, I mean, like, I hope he gets like a, a bunch more surrogates and uh, like campaign chairs of different like like topics and throw those out as much as possible to like you know strategically send those out because if you get like some really good people describing the line you know and uh, um and referring back to Bernie then like I think that's I think that could that could work really well and it also works really well with his. Uh, argument that um you know it's not me it's we you know it's like yeah. us kind of thing like I, I i think that 
I think that could work too. Yeah. But do you really think that Donald Trump's kids' student loans should be forgiven? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah. this is another thing that I think uh, it's hard to explain to people, which is that the reason that these programs have to be universal in so for like in that like the private sector is no longer allowed to compete with them is that that's how you get prices to be reasonable and you cut out all of this administrative cost. It, so like, you know, people who say that they want supplemental private insurance don't understand that part of what saves you so much money under a Medicare for all system is that you don't have all of this fucking paperwork to figure out who's paying for what and how much this thing's going to cost if it's run through this program. And here's You're talking CDPH. about jobs. Oh, God, I know, yeah. Well, those jobs don't need to exist. And I, I we all need to be working 25-hour yeah. work weeks and I, nobody needs to be pushing paper. I, I agree it's with you. It's a soul-crushing job. It's a, Nobody is fucking... Nobody who works in any of those jobs is like, oh, God, please, I, I would never want to change my profession. But it's also like it it doesn't... The, the argument breaks down when you think of all the other things that are universally used, what few things we have, right? Or it's like, oh, like, uh, I don't want... Uh, uh, rich people driving their limos on my roads and like it's it's roads and like yeah, like what's right. the, what's yeah. the other option is that like they get to build uh private exclusive roads <laughs> well hovercrafts right yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. these pro like Which, programs are more effective when everybody what, has to participate in them they have to be you know it's there's more pressure for them to be up to standard if even rich people have to use them and it's you know it's yeah, the, 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 and this whole argument they're like well if you cancel student well, like the the article that some asshole wrote I don't even remember their name or where it was published but it was, it was like Washington I want Post. to pay my student loans go fuck yourself alright congratulations go ahead and pay I tell you what like, you can give me the $86,000 that you owe to fucking Smith or wherever yeah. you went I'll take it how's I, that I, I think anybody who wants to uh, pay their student loans should I think this if they, is if, delicious. <laughs> I think that they should. I think that if they want to pay them, they should. But the idea that says, like, listen, I want to pay my student loans for some type of, you know, um, uh, commitment to honor. So, therefore, everyone else must. No, fuck that. Nobody's allowed to pay back their student loans. You know why? Because that's a lot of money going back into the private banking industry that yeah. we can use for an actual good. So everybody who really wants to pay their student loans, when Bernie cancels all of it, you can give all of your money directly to... I'll DM you my PayPal. Yeah, hit, 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 hit me up on Twitter, <laughs> underscore Brittany Gill, and I'll DM you my PayPal. Look, I started licking this boot. It tastes delicious, and I want to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get from the laces to the to the heel. <sighs> and, and, the whole thing. And also, I think it's totally disingenuous, the whole idea of, like, this is a slap in the face to people who worked super hard their whole lives to pay off their student loans. Like, yeah, I mean, it sucks that they, they pay them off and aren't going to get their, you know, um, like, education, like, paid for you know like it sucks that they had to pay for that out of pocket i already paid off my student loans and it took me a long time i had like thirty thousand or thirty five thousand or something and it took me a bunch of years but i finally paid it all off and i don't consider it a slap in the face if somebody else doesn't have to do that if you do consider it a like, slap in the face you're a fucking sociopath <laughs> like oh my god you don't want millions and millions of people to have their lives drastically improved because yeah. all you had to pay like fuck you you crazy crazy person and again and again like apply that logic to literally anything else and it and it 
it sounds even more crazy. It's like if say they were going to take the toll off of your local highway and you were like, well, but I've been paying that toll for years. So what? Now just, no, I've been paying this toll for years and now nobody else is going to have to pay this toll. Wait, we are, No, you fucking. Or, 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 we're ending or, this war? My, my brother died in this war. <laughs> Why? My neighbor's brother doesn't have to die in this war? Like what the fuck kind of shit it's, is that? Cancer survivors oh, against cancer research. So everybody in <laughs> Troy bitches about the streets constantly. Maybe that's just every city. I don't know. It but probably is. In, yeah. Like people just bitch about the streets all the time and to me it's the equivalent well, of like especially. i can't believe they're gonna pave that street you know i hit a pothole last week and it did a 600 worth of damage to the underside of my car and now they're just gonna pave the street what was the <laughs> point of me having to pay for that it's like just the most backwards ass logic well yeah but well yeah. i mean there's there's something in our lizard brains that like really really hates people getting away with something that we didn't get away with yeah. Like, and I think that this is why I like the, the Williamsons in the debate. You know, I think that <laughs> I think that the there really is, in my opinion, no real way to get toward a, a more just society in like 2100 without like a large scale project to like right, but, up the, the, the level of consciousness right, and this? vibes for people so that they like just get their heads out of their own assholes. So I'll, so how about Andrew Yang? Marianne Williamson, 2020, he can get the substantive stuff done like UBI and making sure that the robots don't kill us or whatever he thinks they're going to do to us. And then Marianne Williamson, if she's just vibes, she can do that great from the VP, probably even better because she's vibing out. She's like building the spiritual, you know, the great spiritual American uh, project of the 21st century. And... You know, she doesn't need to be like like bogged down by all of these executive orders and shit. Just... I mean, like, like Williamson as a vice presidential candidate does actually sound like a really good idea. Like that yeah. does sound, you know, she's she's a heartbeat. She, she's char- like, charismatic. Yeah, she's yeah. charismatic. She's an excellent surrogate. She'd be on that, Oprah. Yeah, and she she can do that like morning talk show circuit like so well. And then, uh, did you hear her? Get the wine mom vote. I'm sure the wine mom vote will come around. Did you hear her on uh, the Breakfast Club? Mm -mm. No. Oh, it's so good. She just get on, got on there and talked about reparations for like a half hour. She didn't she bring up reparations? Yeah, in yeah. The, she's, that was she's, amazing. Okay, she's the only you know what? Fo- explicitly yeah, right. for reparations, uh, you know, candidate. All right, so this is the Ironweeds uh, official <laughs> statement: is that Marianne Williamson won the debate, yeah. Yeah. but oh, she should be vice president. Well, oh, yeah, I think that she 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 should stay in the the conversation as long as she can. That's my that's what I think. All right, uh, do you guys want to take a break real quick? Oh yeah, that'd be great. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it must take a, a whole whole lot to think that you personally can handle the important decisions of a platform that operates on a third of the population anybody who seeks out that level of like power and authority whether you want to be president or ceo like you just have to be a fucking sociopath to even want that and be comfortable with that like all right so what were we talking about before the break Uh, oh well did you guys want to move on to some of the other, we were talking about the debate, but do you want to move on to some of other stuff on the agenda? Yeah, sure. I'd right. be happy to. Next to, up is your uh, your run. Do you want to tell us about your run, Chris? Your your victory? In oh the yeah, primaries? yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll do that. Yeah, we um, talked about all these losers that haven't even <laughs> gone up for yeah. for an election yet, and here you are You're, having already won a primary. <laughs> yeah. So um, I won a local primary in the Green Party for city council district one of troy new york and you didn't want to run 
necessarily. Well, he doesn't dra- want to be elected. Yeah, well, but you, but you, but you, but, but you were also drafted, right? Well, yeah. yeah so much. it was like eight p.m. on a Thursday, and I got a call from the like chair of the uh, Upper Hudson Green Party, and he was asking if I would be willing to put my name in for a writing campaign for city council in my district. Because uh, in the last several elections, the Republicans have stolen the ballot line, right. and so there's this thing called fusion voting and um, uh, opportunity in New York to state. Yeah, yeah, in New York State, opportunity to ballot is basically an initiative that they get a certain amount of signatures, and then they are able to open the 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 line on the primary, and uh, then they can write in their uh, the candidate, uh, and so all the Republicans have been successful at having Green Party endorsements. Um, in Troy, because the Green Party just failed to uh, challenge them at their own primary, like they, it's like a sort of a mandatory thing that the parties have these primaries, um, and even so, even if they don't have like a uh, candidate that they've groomed and really want to like take office or what have you, they just sort of want anybody who actually aligns with the. Uh, platform to represent the Green Party on the Green Party line so that it doesn't just add votes to Republicans, which are like diametrically opposed and all of the important uh, platform, uh, you know, uh, edicts of the uh, Green Party. Um, so I'm running against Jim Gully, which is ironic because literally no, no, nothing I can think of rhymes with my last name, Scully. Uh, and so, <laughs> besides Gully, and uh, so I happen to be uh, running against him, and there's a uh, Democrat that's also running, but I've I've forgotten their name. Um, so it sounds like a Democrat. Yeah, well, you know, so I'm not I'm not too in, involved in local local politics. Like, I basically just did this sort of door knocking campaign to all of the registered Greens in my district, which was 35. So I did that twice. Did you end up talking to how many of them? Did you actually talk to? Like six or seven. Yeah, out of like 35. So it wasn't, it wasn't a high amount, but it was nice to be able to speak with, with people. Yeah. They were mostly, you know, doing their thing. So not a lot of them wanted to like talk about their visions for Troy or anything like that. It was more, you know, hi, I'm running for your city council district from the Green Party. Uh, please write my name in, hand them a card, and uh, then, you know, let them go about the rest of their day. So they didn't ask you any questions about no. like your... Wow, because every time I have a politician come to my house, I almost always pick like one thing to ask them about. Yeah. Who was the guy, David... Last year, Boyanjian, Boyanjian, Boy, Boyajian. I don't. Yeah. But he came to him and his wife and his mother. <clears throat> between the three of them, came to our house like I don't know ten fucking times. Wow. Yeah. And they were all so nice. Every time they came by, I would like sit and chat with them. He got. He lost. He lost oh, so bad. by a lot. Even and though he was campaigning that hard, he was wow. campaigning yeah. hard as shit, man. Wow. And I really liked him, and he seemed like very progressive. What, what was know, he, he running was, for? Uh, city council? Oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, state rep. State rep. State yeah, rep. you're yeah. right. Well, that's a big. That's a big. Yeah, it's a big. Net. It's a big leap. Yeah, I, I, he might not have been. Might not have the, the ground game ready because, like, I mean, like, yeah, he showed up to our place a bunch, but that must have been because he was not like, like, if he, if if maybe he, he just if, really likes hanging out at the cemetery. Yeah, right. Yeah, and he was just yeah. every time he would head out to. Well, cemetery. If you're was he hit- goth? Was he like oh, man. in like no. all black? No, but he, no, but he just totally should have been. And his family <laughs> more is goth bur- politicians. Yeah, his family is buried there. And, yeah. and actually the arch that into the cemetery, it was donated by like his great grand uncle or something like that. Wait, which cemetery is this? The, the, the one that we live on. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. What but, a trip. Yeah, but I, I think it's it, it might be because like, I mean, if you're showing up to say our house like five or six times for a primary election that means you're not 
hitting up a house that has already said who hasn't said that they would vote for you or like you had a positive interaction with yeah it might not be the best tactical it's um, dumb i told them every time they came out i (laughs) was like like, listen i'm just in this the last time they came by i was like y'all don't have to keep coming out here like me and my husband we're both gonna vote for you we think you're very nice folks you don't have to keep coming out and like for me living in new york a vote is not a very valuable thing to Mm -hmm. me because the democratic like machine is already so powerful here that mm-hmm. very few elections I think can actually be decided by like a small margin of votes. Yeah. Um, but I told him, I told the, it was his wife last time. And I was like, hon, you don't have to keep coming by here. Like we're both going to vote for you. You, you can- Yeah. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's the thing is like, so getting people out to the polls is so important, especially in primaries, like seven total people yeah. voted in my district for either me or Jim Gully. Jim Gully got three. I got four, including myself. So this is thir- out of 35 <laughs> people who could have voted. Yeah. It ends up being like a 20-ish percent turnout rate. Um, and the thing about the, the the Greens in my district is like the highest percentage of uh, Republicans that have registered for the Green Party for the specific tactic of writing in Republicans, the highest percentage of them live in my district. Right. So I didn't even think I was going to get it out of the primary. But I, I'm, you know, I'm glad to. I think there is a candidate forum that I'm going to be able to speak about stuff on, which I'm excited. Oh, for. do you want to practice for it? Uh, well, All right, yeah, yeah. here, first question, <laughs> day one, Troy City Council. What is your agenda for day one? I, to be completely honest, I have to figure out more about what day one will consist of in terms of like. Wow, that's a terrible answer. Yeah, no, I'm not no. voting for you. Well, here, here. See, I'm not a good politician. But but if I if I had to be agenda specific, it's one, making Troy a sanctuary city. I think that ICE should get the hell out of our communities and okay. stop breaking up families. I think that the idea of someone's uh, not having the right paperwork to legally work or be in this country is a civil offense at the worst. And that essentially, you know, ICE can like go fuck off and like leave and be abolished. Um, and that that is a big contention with the Republicans, which have been getting the green endorsement. And it's a big contentious issue in Troy. So Troy has, it's I believe, yeah, a, a mayor, a city council president and the city councilor of my district that are all anti-sanctuary city, which is to say they're pro-ICE breaking up families in our communities. And that I find that unconscionable. And so I got into this basically just to say the Green Party line. But if there was a real material reality of me getting in there and making the place Sanctuary City and not having one more family ripped apart and deported, um, I would think it'd be worth taking on the bad pay and high amount of hours to actually be a city councilor. Um, David, do you, could you talk a little bit about... Um sanctuary cities and like in troy and maybe specifically why mayor madden yeah doesn't, doesn't support it yeah so be interesting uh, yeah so, so our city council rep actually brought forward the resolution to make troy a sanctuary city and it's gotten like tabled and given the runaround a bunch of times mostly i think the the, the first big hurdle was that uh someone the rep for the southernmost uh district district six uh was a, a total rat fink and He's a Democrat on paper, but like at the last minute decided to that he he would say he'd vote against it. So they never actually voted on it because they didn't want it to fail. And, uh, you know, I like I mean, friends have been like assaulted at rallies yeah, from yeah. like people who show up usually like from like the southern like further from the south in the state. And will and like just like really awful stuff 
happening and uh um and so it's it's been delayed a bunch of times uh, so our city council rep david december is is the one that introduced the the resolution uh to make troy sanctuary city and they've been having this back and forth both within the democratic uh, um uh, uh caucus to like actually do it but then the guy in the southernmost district uh tj kennedy let's name him and shame him uh 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 flipped and decided he didn't want to do it because he's uh, a genius like that. And um, dude, it's not. Do, do you think he's, he's not paid? a smart man? No. no, I think he's just really that dumb. He, <laughs> he he just like doesn't. He thinks that like he thought that he could like get uh he could be like the the wheeling and dealing like uh, house of cards kind of guy that could like figure out how to you know like be a Democrat but then also like get these conservative people's uh, votes and stuff. I don't know. He, th- he thought he was making like a really smart move instead of just like blew everything up. And even the democratic party isn't endorsing him again. So, he's, Oh wow. Yeah. So he has, uh, so he's not going to run again. Wow. All right. So, so, yeah. so that's sanctuary city. That'd be like the first on the agenda. Second is I want to end the pilot program, which is the payment in lieu of taxes program. That's been a sweetheart deal series that the city is uh, having with, um, uh, rich developers who come in and build like luxury apartment buildings that are going to accrue in the long term, hypothetically, some large amount of revenue, and they're giving an upfront payment because they know the ki- the city isn't uh, cash soluble, um, and so they uh, have to, or they're they're using their leverage of having capital in the city not by negotiating lower tax uh, rates for themselves into the future in exchange for an upfront payment to a cash strap city and that that's been being accepted by and large by the city council and so like you know i'd be very against that um yeah pilot is bullshit it it like it it drains the city of so much revenue and it is you know these absurd sweetheart deals to developers that end up making the city shittier like the like the the fucking ugly RPI grad student housing oh, yeah, the yeah. City, city station. station. Yeah, yeah. There are these ugly buildings that are not in like super pedestrian friendly spaces, or at least there's nothing that would create a kind of comfortable pedestrian atmosphere there. So they have all these empty storefronts because nothing can stay open. So now you have all of these businesses that so the city is losing out on the tax revenue from this unoccupied space that was poorly built in a bad location that's not very inviting. That little Egyptian restaurant moved there, and they yeah. closed like. But a bunch of uh, you know Chinese and Japanese restaurant Japanica Grill was there for a bit. They yeah. only got, only got their hibachi grill going like for three months before they just left because the rents were too high and the traffic was too low. Yeah, that's the other thing is like these places like the the only way that they're gonna make uh the 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 developer is going to like make their money back uh and as much profits as they want is that they they charge rents that really only like chain stores could afford because they want chain stores because small Mm. businesses don't you know like will you you know are are unpredictable but a chain chain stores there yeah right Uh, they had a subway the subway uh left yeah even subway left yeah (laughs) Yeah, if you can't keep a subway in in your property yeah that's pretty bad something bad's going on yeah and i mean and this is like pilot agreements you know they're called different things in different places and over different times but like this has been the case since at least the 60s and 70s that like cities uh think that the only and i mean and uh, you know it makes sense that like you know everything says like you have to grow all the time if you're economically 
like healthy, it's the this myth of constant growth, right? And so cities are terrified of seeming like they're dying if they are not growing, right? And so they'll they'll always jump at something that uh that will make them look like they're getting bigger and 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 growing, and the, and it's always taking that um short term gain for a long-term insolvency, right? Because like if you build, you know, like not only do they suck once they're built usually, but often like if you're building something like we're in some ways, we're kind of lucky because at least they're building it downtown. You know, like if they were, if they were building like these big suburban shopping malls, you know, like then like the city would also be on the hook to run out all those uh, utilities out there Mm -hmm. just for that one shopping center that is exceptionally expensive. Right. And then like now they've, they have all these new expenses that they have to pay all the time to a developer that's not gonna uh, pay it because they, they're these are the payment in lieu of taxes like one big pot of money that like uh, uh, slowly gets steeped up uh, like they ramp up their taxes like slowly uh, yeah, slowly yeah. At, in, in you know in exchange for this one big pot of money at the beginning it's so dumb yeah it yeah. It, it, and then the the third policy point that I have, and this is also probably pretty controversial, is that RPI should be paying taxes. And I believe that this isn't unique to RPI. I think that all public or private and or public educational um, community, maybe not public because that's no, being pu- directly ta- funded by taxes. But if you're a private uh, higher education uh, institution and you have an endowment and you have sweetheart deals with like large, large, large manufacturing capital and you basically are like pumping out the people who are going to be bringing about the continuation of like American military empire, like directly from the, 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 the what's the, why shouldn't you be paying taxes when you're the biggest landholder, you utilize the most amount of public resources per like, you know, capita as in you're the only landholder on that property. And you have, I mean, like, I think RPI is bankrupt or something or like that they don't have like a, a solvency for They're whatever reason. They're not bankrupt, but they haven't been in the black for a very long time. And I think that that's also unacceptable. I think that you shouldn't, like the idea of Troy having so much land that is owned and used by RPI and RPI not giving into the coffers for the city, utilizing public uh, resources. Their students don't even like really patronize, patronize. Patronize, patronize yeah. like yeah. businesses yeah. and stuff. Yeah, they don't even spend any fucking money in the city. Yeah, I like guess the, like the only, farmers market sometimes. If maybe, they... yeah, but nowhere near the nowhere near on scale with how much RPI takes from the city. Yeah, you know, it would be one thing if their students were like really, you know, in touch with the with like the Troy community. Um, but you know, half of the the people who make the most money on RPI existing here is probably fucking landlords. Um, they're really the only yeah, in terms of just like, bringing was, a lot of people here that yeah, you know, and half of those assholes don't even live in Troy. They just own a building and pay a building manager. So you, so it's essentially slumlords. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's those are the three. Fuck points RPI. On my, on, All right. My, yeah. My, uh, we we say so we say that as three alums from RPI. Yeah, yeah, yeah They yeah. can go fuck themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, I know RPI. Yeah. Like, there's it's a big institution, right? So it's like yeah, you know, fuck RPI, like in that sense. But it's also a ton of super awesome people and super awesome like facilities and stuff like as a whole, it needs to drastically change for it to be a net positive in my uh, eyes, uh, especially as it relates to like the rest of the community. Um, But like 
individually, there's so many uh, really, really nice uh, people that uh, I've I've met and had a, good, a relatively good experience in, yeah. in spots. But like, it should not be nearly as expensive as it is. It is. It should have way more of a student focus and like teacher focus than it does. It should be basically involved in paying its fair share of the social like every university yes. right yeah and it's a microcosm for the united states right like like there's a bunch of nice people and it has some cool stuff but it's not doing very good things uh to ever to its neighbors or anything around it like it's can you think very of, similar david can you think of any really uh controversial questions to throw at chris in preparation Ooh. for his um, oh, for his oh, candidacy like something yeah. really controversial that we can really pin him down on, okay. and maybe even play a uh, play audio from <laughs> so, so like like, on the on the nightly news right, to embarrass okay. him. Ooh, yeah. Um. Uh, uh. What um. What do you think? Who do you think should have guns? Oh. Um. Yeah. So as a green, I asked this about this in the platform because you know the rest of the platform because this isn't really this is conspicuously missing in the green platform. Um. Uh, because the Democrats at this point have come out like strong on gun control, mm-hmm. basically wanting, you know, a the, what they say, common sense gun reform. I don't think yeah. that that actually exists. I don't think that there's like an actual series of bills that everyone agrees on. That, well, yeah, like, there's no pass. there is no there is common no common sense. 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 Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. And, and okay, the, unless it's smart guns. Yeah. Whatever like, the fuck it, that it, is. It brings yeah. me to my the, to the uh, the conversation and uh, interview with Killer Mike and uh, Bernie Sanders when they were talking about the gun issue. Yeah. yeah. And that like the the two voices represented there is like we live in a society with like a lot of mental health issues and like a huge amount of incredibly powerful firearms that are just like loose just like on the black market slash just we have something like one high-powered rifle per man woman and child like in the nation and so it's like they're we're awash in small arms and we have a lot of mental health issues and we have a society that glorifies violence and like valorizes <clears throat> the military and, you know, um, like, you know, killing. So right. when it comes to like Beto's response during the debate or whatever, how he was talking about how those AR-15s are weapons of war and they do not belong on the streets of America. What he is implicitly saying is that they belong in the streets of Kabul or no, he explicitly said it. Yeah, he yeah. didn't implicitly yeah, yeah. say it. He explicitly okay, said fa- that they belong on yeah. the field, that they belong the, in the military. Yeah, the, the, the field of battle I, is other people's that, streets. Like, Fuck, dude. Yeah, no, like, so it, that's a very anti-humanist <laughs> stance to take. Right. And so on the, the point that I think that guns don't belong or not belong anywhere, they're like tools, and that people ought not to be killing each other, I have to look at the statistical situation of the small arms in the nation. Right. So like there's, you know, like I said, hundreds of millions of, of high powered rifles, a, a statistical noise of them are used in like, uh, you know, random acts of violence or whatever. But a bunch of them are used in these incredibly high profile mass psychotic, like culturally, um, uh, uh traumatizing, uh, events, you know, like you look at fucking that dude Paddock or whatever that like did the, um, the, uh, the Steven Paddock, I think his name is, I think he's the guy that did the, uh, the shooting the, uh, in Las Vegas where he was like a fan of country mu- or music. He was a very wealthy or definitely in the top, like one to 5% of the population, a white man. He owned multiple real estate and he got like 12 high-powered rifles and he just opened fire and he shot over 500 people yeah 
Yeah. 500 people. Like, in order of magnitude bigger than, like, the next largest shooting. And it's only in, like, a couple minutes, right? And like, yeah, he, they like, never found a motive. Right. It's either, like, you're representing a set, like, I'm down with ISIS or whatever, or I'm just, like, a rando white guy. And, yeah. like, that's, like, the other, ex, you know, excuse for, like, a mass murder. It's like, oh, are they just a rando white guy, or are they, like, having some larger sociopolitical, like, you know, terror operation that they're doing? It's, like, right. just rando, like, white dudes, like, lone wolf white dudes are, like, their own branch of, like, terror. Well, so, <laughs> you know, so, so like, the, like I, I, I've never quite understood the, like, the, so there's, like, the argument that uh, uh, when white men uh, do a mass shooting, it, we talk about mental health issues, and then when a brown person does it, it's ISIS, or it's some sort of, or they're, they're part of organized crime, or, but or often, international often terrorism, or something. they literally are. They're, like, you know, they're, like, repping a, a specific set. They're, like, I'm doing it for this specific or, action. Or, or, or there's, like, an assumption, there, there, there's always that assumption first, and okay, then, yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But what I never understood is that, like, it, that's still a mental health problem. Like, even yeah. if they are connected to... Anybody who shoots... International terrorism. Like... A human being. Lots and... <laughs> yeah. Like, a human being, lots and lots of human beings, especially for no other discernible reason. Yeah. Of course they have a mental health problem. Yes. Yeah. You like, don't... Like, we don't consider that don't to be that. mentally healthy yeah. behavior to yes. shoot lots and yes. lots of people. Like, like, I get like, really killer, frustrated. Killer, killer cops is a mental health issue. Like, cops killing people well, is, is yeah, also... I mean, they're... Like, they have a bad... Their mental health is bad. They're, and yeah, they're, they're not cops. mentally healthy. Yeah. yeah. Anytime you're murdering your fellow human beings for any reason at all, basically, you are suffering a, a psychological, you know, problem. That is not what we consider healthy and harmonious behavior to be having with your fellow human beings. So when it comes to gun control and stuff, I mean, think the debate should be basically what the fuck do we do to have a society that isn't full of people who are killing each other and or have access to the tools to kill each other. Okay, so, so day one, uh-huh. you're on the Troy City Council. Yeah. Whose guns do you take away first? <laughs> uh, well, Please I, name names. Okay, so so I wouldn't... Kevin be, McGrath. I, 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 Please I, take I, however many guns he has away. <laughs> keep them off the streets of Troy. Oh man, uh, yeah, or Mark, yeah. Mark, Mark, Mark McGrath. I was thinking, and Kevin McCash and, and Kevin I, I blended them together. Anyway, you, sorry, that's some inside. Pod them together. Yeah. Some inside baseball. They might be the same people. Uh, <laughs> Have you ever seen them together? Well, same place? No, no, but they definitely. I know McCashin was repping McGrath really, really hard yeah, back when I, I was paying attention to him on any level. But um, yeah, the, the so I wouldn't be. I'd have to think about that, but I think that when people start talking about taking guns out of our community, I think it's a really good faith effort to start with the police. Because yeah. I think that there's both a... Disarm the cops. A, there's a data-driven, causal reason why it would actually drop homicides related to guns in our society down. And they could always carry one in the car, but just not having it physically on them at all times and like not part of protocol when they like make a pullover to like basically be thinking about their sidearm the entire time that they're like interacting with, you know, a fellow human being and seeing their relationship to this fellow human being as potentially mortally threatening at any moment. Like, I think that is a huge, huge step forward in a good faith argument by the state to say, like, we're going to try and roll back the amount of guns and psycho behavior that we have in our society, they started with cops. I'd be like almost willing to like let my guns go 
And like, I don't even really care that much about my guns. You know, like I have guns. I barely ever shoot them. I know how to shoot them. I know how to clean them and everything else. And I was like, this is just seems like a better thing to have than want to have at some future juncture and not be able to. And it's not even that much, much money. So I just like set aside and it's just in a safe. Yeah. So, so if we like broke, so, broke down like the theory of like the technology of the gun, right? Yeah. It, and like having it on you all the time and what it means when you make decisions when you have a gun on you. Yeah. Right. It's like, let, let's just use a different technology, just like, you know, something really simple, like a pencil. Right. And like someone is telling you something important. Right. And you're like, oh, I should write that down. Right. And you have a pencil, you write it down. And, you know, like as, uh, what was it, Plato? That was like super concerned about the technology of writing. Right. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Right. So Plato was right. You know, like if you're writing it down, you're not going to remember it as well. Right. You you just put it down in memory uh, and and you forget about it. Right. And so like you're acting as you are as a person with a pencil. But if you don't have a pencil and someone's telling you something important, you're like, oh, shit, I better come up with like a mnemonic device or like figure out some some other way way to solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like I need to I need to try really hard to memorize it. Or could you text that to me or something like that? Right. And there you've made a different decision solely because of your access to a pencil right yeah technology and, yeah, availability yeah yeah, yeah. And, and 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 you can scale that up with a gun and like yeah i don't even know if it's really that much more complicated right it's just that like now you have a gun it's a problem solving device in the sense that if you're having a problem with someone you can kill them it's also <laughs> and, and problem solved right it's, it's yeah, also so. a liability and yeah. it creates a really uh, aggressive uh, uh change so if Absolutely. i if i were to try to conquer uh like the police involved shooting like uh issue in america not only would i do you know the the racial sensitivity training or you know de-escalatory training that is currently in vogue in terms of trying to police reform conversation i would change their uniforms and their cars absolutely oh yeah they should look goofy as fuck well they should they should be drive around smart cars they should have to wear smart cars or the like the vw (laughs) beetle like a lime green vw beetle with the dancing flowers on the dash (laughs) and instead of the matte black dripping in metal and fiber optics like you know paramilitary uniform with like the bulletproof vest and like you know, like you're about to swat somebody, like that walking around all the time. Yeah, no. referee uniform. Yeah, not like something that's like you know. Oh, I was gonna say like nurses scrubs with little dinosaurs. Well, on well them. You, you you give them the ref because people people respect the ref. They see the need for the ref, and they say, okay, you know, like this person's here to like make sure that the interactions within the society go according to the rules. Yeah, or whatever. It's like a psychological thing, and then suddenly I think you're gonna have way less aggressive behavior both from the police and toward the police also it's I, much more breathable like they gotta get more <laughs> yeah, breathable uniforms see. that they don't look comfortable in, in the summer i think that because it seems so unlikely to me that we're gonna um i think i think that so many police reforms are very unlikely to to take place in this cultural moment um but I would really like to see cops have to have insurance. And that sounds like a very kind of like bureaucratic capitalist response to like, but, you know, I think that it would help solve the problem of cops being able to uh, get away with brutality by moving to a different precinct. Because if instead of cities having to pay out all of those massive claims when there's wrongdoing, an insurance company would have to pay that out. And And if you wanted to move to Santa Fe... 
you would get dinged and your insurance would be, you know, $120,000 a year or whatever, uh, you know. Like, yeah, and, and doctors and lawyers yeah. all carry personal liability insurance. Right. And cops, yeah, I, I totally agree. Cops should too. That's a really good argument. I think that's a really good argument. Because disarming the cops, I love it. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Abolishing the cops, love it. Not going to happen. happen. Green yeah. Volkswagen Beetles. Well, pretty, Chris pretty, Gulley, yeah. Troy City Council 2020, yeah, vote, that vote might Moondog, be... Vote for your boy. Yeah. <laughs> that might be something you can actually accomplish at the local level. Direct democracy at the local level when it comes to uh, cop aesthetics, I yeah. say. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do a fashion show. I think show. they should have to dress like Luigi. Yeah, I think we'll like do a fashion show bros. and we will institute it based on a plaza meter. Ooh, yeah. So <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to have, you know, some really foxy, you know... Um, police mamas and papas and they're going to be out there on the catwalk and they're going to be shaking their things in yeah. the most you know the widespread non-aggressive garments we can put them in and whatever sticks sticks and that will be what we uh have uh for the rest of our days yeah i think that's as good a place as any to close it out what do you guys think yeah but we're already driving away it sounds like <laughs> <laughs> all right all right sounds good uh cops as clowns 2020 all Bye. for it <laughs> <laughs>